Trevor David Houchin with yet another scintillating episode of Nothing Specific. So, can we admit that self-checkout is one of the worst ideas ever, especially in these United States of America? Who, how, who, who was the guy in a meeting that said, you know what I think is a good idea, gentlemen, I think it's a good idea that we let Americans go through the checkout line with nobody watching them, with them not having to pay anybody. Let's just have them go to a machine where there's no one watching them, scan their own stuff, stuff that they already think is too expensive, stuff that they can't afford, stuff that they don't need but they want. Americans who, who, you know, the hyper consumers that Americans are. Americans go to the store and buy all kinds of new stuff every day, every week, regardless of what they bought yesterday, regardless of what they bought the week before. Americans have to go shopping. Americans have to go shopping. Let's make it so that no one's watching them. They can pay whatever they want, if they want. And then they can leave. They can bring as many things as they want to this machine. There's there's 12 machines. There's 12 machines. There's 40 people waiting to scan their stuff with these machines. The, the, the self-checkout area is crowded. Americans have no patience. They can't wait for the person in front of them to get the hell out of the way. Let's make it so that these Americans can just get whatever they want, pretend to scan it, and leave. Who, who, how's that a good idea? How's that, in, in what world is that even remotely a good idea? Self-checkout in the Walmart in South Carolina? Self-checkout in the, in, in, in the, you know, in the publics? Self-checkout? I mean, self-checkout? How could you... You own a store. You're the store owner. You're the store owner. You want to sell things. You're going to you're going to allow people to come into your store and decide whether or not they want to pay for stuff because that's what self-checkout is. That's what it is. 
It's a place where people think, well, I'll pay for this carton of orange juice, but I won't pay for this carton of eggs. I'll pay for these paper towels, but I won't pay for this bag of potatoes. Yeah, I'll pay for this, you know, this bar of soap, but I won't pay for these two steaks. I mean, what? It's almost like, it's almost like they're daring you. It's almost like they're testing you. Like, it's almost like they're they're, they're saying, you don't have to pay for stuff, you know. You can just put a few things in your bag or in your pockets without paying for it you know you don't have to pay for everything you can scan a few of those things but you don't have to scan everything self-checkout self-checkout what self-checkout i i i I don't, I've never, I've never understood it. I've never understood it. I can't believe it, it, it still exists. Like how, how is it that it hasn't failed already? I mean, it must've already failed. I, I, I think I saw a news program recently where they were saying self-checkout, a lot of stores, a lot of stores are, are admitting that it's failed. Why? Theft. Many department stores today are scaling back on their self-checkout experiment, claiming higher theft than expected as the reason for the scaling back. What? Like what what were they thinking? What what were they thinking? Were they not I don't Come on, man. Come on, man. Come on. Self-checkout? Like, you gotta be joking. Some things are just like an obvious... Like an obvious bad idea, but... You know, they go for it. They go for it anyway. Another bad idea that I thought was just a bad idea from Jump, but, um... They did it. it. Was McDonald's the the McRib sandwich? The, the the McDonald's McRib. Now I haven't eaten a single thing from McDonald's for decades, literally for decades. I haven't eaten anything from McDonald's for decades. But I will, I will admit that when the McRib came out, I was curious. I was curious about the McRib. I was curious, and you know, I'll, uh, I, I, I had one. I had one, and yeah, it it made me sick. I got sick. The McRib make, made me sick. It seems like an obvious bad idea, but on the other hand, I can see how a certain type of person. I'd think it was an obvious good idea. 
I can see how a certain type of person might think that was an obvious good idea, the McRib sandwich. Not me, though. Self-checkout. Bad idea. Personally, you know, I think automation, you know, you've been, we've been hearing about for years, 20 years, 30 years, we've been hearing for years that robots are going to take over. And I personally think self-checkout is and sort of has been an experiment in that direction. I think self-checkout has been an experiment in the robots are going to take over everything trope. And like I said, self-checkout, you see it all over the place. You definitely see it all over the place, but I think it's I think it's either failed or failing. And I'm going to go against the grain and say that I think automation, you know, like I said, robots taking over everything everywhere, taking over all the jobs, putting people out of jobs, AI. AI. This is the next, you know, when I was a kid, they were saying these robots were going to take over the world. Since I was a kid, they've been saying that. And that hasn't happened. That hasn't happened yet. Now they're saying AI is going to take over the world. And I just don't think so. I just don't think so. I think it's a fear campaign. Why? That's the question. That's the real question. Like, what's with the fear campaign, guys? Like, what's with the fear that they're trying to instill in us that these things are going to take over the world? That's more important, as far as I'm concerned, than the actual possibility of these things taking over the world because I don't think they're going to take over the world. I think automation is going to... If it if it's ever implemented to the degree that you hear them talking about it, I think it's going to fail. People want people. That's it. It's that simple. People want people. People want to deal with other people. They don't want to deal with robots. They don't want to, they don't want to, robots leave you, (laughs) robots leave you nobody to complain to, is the thing. Robots leave you nobody to, to be able to complain to. That's the problem with robots. And people aren't putting up with that. Now, of course, there's the case to be made that, you know, big, big, big corporate business, that's exactly their, 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 their point. They're, that's exactly what they're trying to do. They're, they're, they're exactly trying to get it to where there's nobody to complain to. That's, you know, that, that seems to be the thing, you know, they're, they're trying to make it so that there's nobody to voice your concerns to, you know, the, you deal with the product, 
deal with the service, you know, take whatever you get and keep it moving. That's what automation does. It, it leaves you sort of nobody to complain to. But that, that, that's not going to, that can't, that's untenable. That can't last. People want someone to be able to, you know, ask, hey, you know, I, I asked for, uh, I asked for a large Coke, not a medium Coke. You know, I, I asked for a nine-piece, not a six-piece. I asked for cheese. There's no cheese in this. People want that. People want that. People need that. And, you know, again, I, I, I don't by any means promote myself as some kind of... Uh, expert on automation or, 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 or robotics or anything, you know, maybe, maybe they figured all that out. Maybe those kinks have been figured out. You know, maybe they've got a program where, you know, if, 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 if the, if the robot screws up your order, that you're able to complain to the robot and the robot understands your complaint and takes back your bag of fries and gives you a large instead of a medium and Maybe they got that figured out. I don't know. But even if they did, even if they do have that figured out, people still want a person to 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 talk to, to deal with, to that human uh, interaction, that human uh, connection. People want that. People need that. Robots, robots, robots can't offer that. You know, even the most sophisticated robots just can't offer that. Can't, can't really give that to people. Um, and, and, and people need that. People need that. People need that connection. So, you know, one of my predictions one of my predictions is that first of all you're going to see a massive repealing of self-checkout I, I know it's all over the place it's all over the place self-checkout it is all over the place but I, I think eventually I think real soon you're going to see you know human faces again uh, in, in your supermarket in your you know, in your convenience store, I guess, in your, in your, in your fast food restaurants that you go to, you're going to see people, you're going to see people again, because that's what people want, people want to see people, people want to see people, you know, the, 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 the self-checkout lines, you know, I, I think it's failed, I think it's a failed experiment. It's a failed experiment. It's gone as far as it's going to go. You know, um, the other thing is, I, I, you know, I, I, I think people should stop worrying about this automation stuff. Just stop talking about it. 
Stop thinking about it. Stop wondering about it. Stop. Stop. Leave it alone, it's not gonna happen. Leave it alone, it's not gonna happen. They've been talking about it since we were kids. No matter how old you are. You're, you're, you're 30, you're 40, you're 50, you're 60. No matter how old you are, all your life, they've been telling you robots are going to take over the world. No matter how old you are. You could be 20 years old. You could be 70 years old. They've been telling us for our entire lives that robots are going to take over the world and they haven't done it yet. Programs, computerized programs. Sure, we, there's no question we live in a, ro- in a computer-driven world. There's no question about that. That's, that's, that's not up for debate. Computers make, you know, an incredible percentage of our decisions. Now, there's another case to be made that computers are robots, right? There's a, there's a huge, a lot of people would say, come on, Trev, computers are robots. That's not the kind of robot I'm talking about. That's not the kind of robot that that I'm talking about. The kind of robot I'm talking about is the kind of robot that looks like a robot. You know, it's got metallic arms and metallic legs and, you know, it talks like a robot, sounds like a robot, looks like a robot. This is the kind of robot that I'm talking about. This is the kind of automation that I'm talking about. A robot greeting you at, you know, the window, the drive-up window, the drive-through window. This is what I'm talking about. And that, that, that just hasn't happened yet. And I don't think it's going to happen. That's the point. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's 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 going to happen. So uh yeah, there's that. Something I've been thinking about lately is uh relationships. You know, I I don't talk a lot about relationships here. I don't talk about a lot about relationships here because basically because I am a super duper discreet guy. Um, I mention my wife every now and again, but even that, even going as far as mentioning my wife, I don't like even just mentioning the fact that I have a wife. It has nothing to do with the fact that I'm trying to hide my wife. It has nothing to do with the fact that I'm trying to like... uh, keep myself open for something else. No, I, I just, I just don't, I don't even like putting the idea that I, that I'm in a relationship out there for, for, for people to judge me or my wife or anything even close. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. 
I don't like it. I don't like it. Listen, I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like discussing my relationship. I don't like discussing the fact that I'm in a relationship. I don't like discussing my wife. I don't like mentioning her. You know, as far as I'm concerned, our relationship is super, super secret. It's ours. And I don't want anybody to know anything about it. But that having been said, relationships in general is, you know, what I'm thinking about and what I what I what I what I wanted to discuss and what I wanted to discuss about relationships in general is the length of time that I think relationships should be indulged in. So basically, I've broken this down to two types of relationship. Two types. Number one, you're married. There's that relationship. You're married. Number two, you're not married. That's it. You're married or you're not married. You're, 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 that's it. You're married or you're not married. You have a husband or a wife, or you don't have a husband or a wife. So there's married relationships, and then there's boyfriend-girlfriend relationships. These are the two types of relationships that I've sort of broken my thesis down to. So what, what, what I sort of think is... Unmarried relationships, boyfriend-girlfriend relationships should last anywhere from between three months to three years. And that's it. That's what I think. Boyfriend-girlfriend relationships should last anywhere from three months to three years, and that's it. Have you ever had a three-month relationship? There's a case to be made that the three-month relationship is the best relationship to have. There's a case to be made that the three-month... I'm repeating myself. There's a case to be made that the three-month relationship is the best relationship to have. Why, Trevor? Three months of sexual, of, of hot sexual chemistry is fantastic. The sexual chemistry of the three-month relationship never burns out. That is, that is if it heats up to begin with, okay? That is if it heats up to begin with. Because there's also the flip side of that to that coin. There's also the idea that the sexual aspect of that relationship just never gets going. Never, 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 you know, sparks, sparks don't fly. And if you break up with a person that you've been with for three months because the sparks aren't flying, nobody's really that hurt. Nobody's really that hurt. Three months isn't really long enough to get yourself or, or, or for the other person to get themselves 
so emotionally invested that the breakup is going to, you know, hurt, hurt somebody or, or, or be really dangerous or, you know, heartbreaking, uh, whatever. Three months isn't long enough for that type of ending, but Three months is long enough to create an enduring enough memory such that if you never meet anyone else in your life except that person that you had this hot three-month fling with, that three-month fling can, the memory of that three-month fling can last you your whole life. The memory of that three-month fling can last you your entire life. I remember one of the see, but this is this is this is my point. <laughs> I've, I've I've glamour glamorized, glorified, uh, romanticized the memory. I ha- I had a relationship. It was about three months. Girl from Chile. I was a model. At the time, I was modeling for Nike in Miami. I was doing this runway fashion show in Miami, modeling. And the show was an industry show, meaning everybody that was there was in the industry. They were buyers. They were buyers from these different countries. They were they were buying Nike's newest products. And we models were modeling Nike's newest products. And I'm doing this runway show and it's in Miami and I'm bopping up and down the, the, the runway, not really caring, not paying much attention, just bopping up and down. And in the audience, I notice, and there's music, right? There's music. There's always music at fashion shows. And in the audience, I notice there's this one girl, and she's bopping with me. She's bopping her head up and down with me. Uh, I could not describe what she looks like. <laughs> I, 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 again, I've romanticized the memory, so I, what I want to say is, Oh, she was beautiful. She had the most beautiful blah, blah, blah. I don't remember what this girl looked like. I don't. This 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 relationship, this this three month relationship. It wasn't even three months. It wasn't even three months. It was three days. But then it turned into three months through correspondence. You see, it turned into three months after she went back to Chile and we wrote letters, physical letters to each other. This was in the 90s, late 90s. We wrote physical letters to each other for three months and then it ended. Anyway, let me tell you this story. So I'm doing this runway modeling show. I see this girl bopping up and down. She's really having a good time. You know, it doesn't look like she's working at all. All the other buyers there were pretty stiff pretty 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 stiff but she wasn't she was thoroughly enjoying the music dancing in her seat blah 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 and I noticed it 
So at the break, because this was an all-day show, at the break they had like a buffet table, <clears throat> like a buffet t- table set up for myself and and the buyers set up for myself, the mo- the other models, and the buyers. And so at the at the break, you know, the models and the buyers mingled with each other. So I'm there at this table, you know, munchies, fruits, whatever, nuts, little cakes, sandwiches, rice. I don't know. I don't, I don't remember who's there. I'm at this table, and this boppy girl comes up next to me, and you know, I notice. Obviously, you know, I, immediately I notice. Oh, this is the girl from the audience who's enjoying the show. So I said, "Hey, how you doing? What's your name? You know, where are you from?" She tells me her name. Her name was Ingrid. Ingrid Bugman. No kidding. No kidding. No kidding. Her name was Ingrid Bugman. Never forget it. Uh, she tells me her name is Ingrid. I tell her my name is Trevor. You know, we talk a little bit. I asked her, you know, how long... How long uh, was she going to be in town for? I don't remember what she said. A couple days, whatever. Um... You know, we were both staying in the hotel. Uh, you know, uh, you know, did, did did she have any plans? You know, I just I just realized something. This show is not in Miami. This show is in Orlando. I did another show in Miami. This show is in Orlando, Florida. So, pardon me, pardon me. I did. I did quite a few modeling shows in Miami. Actually, I mean in in Florida. I, I just I did I did quite a few shows in in Florida, Miami, Orlando. Actually, those were the only two cities, but quite a few shows between those two cities. So she tells me she's going to be in Orlando for a few days. Then she's flying to Miami. That's the connection. That's the Miami connection. She's flying to Miami to do some, do some more shows. She's going to see some more shows, and then she's flying back to Chile. Anyway, at, after we, we, we hit it off, we hit it off, we, we hit it off at the little, you know, lunch break conversation, we hit it off. Then we did the rest, I do the rest of the show, and then the show is over. After the show is over, I go looking for her. I go looking for, you know, she, you know, we, we, we models, we had to go backstage, change, and get, you know, no pun intended, get debriefed about whatever else, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then they, the uh, buyers, had to do the same, you know, with their, with their people. They, they, they went back, they went wherever, the, wherever they went. And then after it was all over, I went looking for her. I went looking for her. We were in a Sheraton hotel. I went looking for her, couldn't find her. Wasn't that upset or anything just you know okay well can't find her so what I decided to do is I decided to go and leave a note for her with the front desk I had her name I had her name so I wrote a little note hey my name is Trevor we met at the lunch thing I was one of the models I don't know if you're you know if you've got plans for while you're here in town um here's my phone number 
you know, if you if, if you want to hang out, I can show you around a little bit. Here's my number. Give me a call. And I gave it to the front desk and I said, hey, if there's a if there's a girl from Chile here, obviously, I know you can't tell me where, you know, her room number. But if there's a girl from Chile staying here, her name is Ingrid Bugman. If you could, you know, if you could pass this along to her, um, do so. And I left. I got home that night. She called. She called. She called. She called. She called me. She said, hey, I got your note. I really enjoyed the show. I'm going to be here for two or three days. I'd love to see something here. At the time, I was working part-time at the at Universal, Universal Studios. I was working part-time at Universal Studios. What was your job at Universal, Trev? I was a ghostbuster. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, excuse me. What did you say? I said I was a ghostbuster. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Are you saying, it keeps, it keeps sounding like you keep saying you were a ghostbuster. Yeah, that's what I said, I was a ghostbuster. I was a ghostbuster at Universal Studios Florida. There was a show at Universal Studios Florida based on the movie Ghostbusters. And I was one of them. Which one were you, Trev? Well, think back to the Ghostbusters. Think back to the Ghostbusters, Mr. Dunce. There were four Ghostbusters. Harold Ramis, Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray, and the black guy. Which one do you think I was? I'm going to continue my story. So, she calls me. Ingrid calls me. We have an incredible conversation. One of those, like, two, three-hour conversations during the middle of the night that you used to have, that people used to have. You know those conversations. Those conversations are the absolute best. Those conversations are the absolute best, man. You know what I'm talking about. You're up, it's it's midnight, it's it's rolling into one or two o'clock, and you're still on the phone. You never want that conversation to end. That's the kind of conversation me and Miss Ingrid Boogman had. So we made plans. What were the plans, Trev? I had a Jeep at the time. I had a Mitsubishi Montero Jeep. Oh, Mitsubishi Montero, Trev, where'd you get that from? I won it on a game show. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Excuse me, what? I won it on a game show. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It sounds like you keep saying you won a Mitsubishi Montero on a game show, Trevor. Yeah, I did. That's what I'm saying. There used to be a game show on MTV. This game show was called Remote Control. This game show was based on musical knowledge. At that time, in the uh, late '80s, the mid, the mid, uh, well, I, yeah, I won my, I won, I won my truck in the late '80s. At that time, in the late '80s, uh, I was, an, I, I was a music whiz. I knew everything about pop music. I was a pop culture genius. 
I was a pop culture encyclopedia. I got on this game show called Remote Control, and I won the grand prize. The grand prize included a Mitsubishi Montero. This was the first year that Mitsubishi made Monteros. In fact, it was the first year that uh, sports utility vehicles made their debut in America, and I had one of the first ones. Not only did I have one of the first ones, I won it on a game show. I'm going to continue. So I pick up Miss Miss Bugman at the Sheraton. It was near the sea. It was near Sea World. I pick up Miss Bugman in my Mitsubishi Montero that I had won a few years earlier, and we went to a nightclub. We went to a nightclub. We went to this club called Baja Beach Cafe, and she was dressed that night like. A princess. I mean, she, again, I'm glamorizing the past. I don't remember exactly. But what I do remember was the dress that she was wearing reminded me of a wedding dress. It was white. It was glittery. It was shiny. It went all the way down to her ankles. And this was a club that I used to go to a lot. So I was a pretty familiar face in this club. But I walk in with this girl and all the people that know me are like, yo, who is that and I paraded her around the club we had a good time and I took her back to our hotel we had a good time we stayed till one or two o'clock I took her back to our hotel we made plans for the next day what were the plans Trev take her to Universal Studios take her to show with the Ghostbusters show that's what we did the next day the second day so the first day I'm modeling She sees me model. The second day, I take her to the club. The third day, I take her to Universal Studios. And (laughs) this story is just unbelievable. I had just done a movie. This movie's name was King's Ransom. The guy that plays Luke Skywalker, whose name suddenly escapes me. What's the guy? Uh, Mark, Mark, Mark Hamill. That's his name. The guy that played Luke Skywalker was the lead actor in this movie, King's Ransom. And I had a small part in this movie where I I played an African prince. King's Ransom is the name of the movie. Look it up. Look up all this. Look up all of this. I never lie about anything. I don't I don't tell lies. I don't embellish. I don't I don't I don't like to Exaggerate. I don't do any of that. King's Ransom was the name of the movie. The year the, the, the year might have been 1993, 94. Mark 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 Hamill was the lead actor. Look up Remote Control. Ken Ober was the was the host. Adam Sandler was on the show at the time. Adam Sandler was a nobody. I met I met Adam Sandler. She was a nobody. She was he was a nobody at the time that I met him. Kari Wurr was Ken's co-host and she was just dynamite Kari. And I won the truck. I won the truck anyway. Third night third day I take this girl to Universal. And while we're at Universal, I, I like I said, I had just done this movie, King's Ransom. I hadn't seen the movie yet. I hadn't seen it. I hadn't heard anything about it. I'd gotten paid for it. Not a whole, not a whole lot, but I had just completed this movie. While myself and Ingrid are walking around Universal, a friend of mine named Kephas 
Kephas Matthews runs up to me and says, yo, Trev, yo, Trev, yo, Trev, your movie is out. I hadn't even told the girl about my movie. I hadn't even told her about the movie. I wasn't thinking about the movie. I'd forgotten about the movie. I, I, I wasn't thinking about it. You know, she'd seen me on a, on a, on a, on a modeling runway. I was driving around in my, you know, brand new Mitsubishi Montero that I'd won on a TV game show. That's enough. You know, that's enough. That, that, that was enough. But this, 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 this friend of mine, Kephas runs up to me, Trevor, your movie's out. Have you seen your movie yet? No, I'm like, no, Keith, I didn't know. I haven't seen it. He's like, I have a copy of it on VHS. I have a copy of your movie on VHS, Trevor. The girl's looking at me. Ingrid's looking at me like, what? You're a Ghostbuster? You won your truck? I met you at a fashion show? You're also in a movie? Kephas shows up 20 or 30 minutes later with this movie on VHS cassette. Now, my picture wasn't on the box or anything. Like I said, a small part. But I had not seen the movie yet. So, the girls, Ingrid says to me, let's, wa- let's go watch the movie right now. I'm like, okay, sure, you know, let's do, we, we, we can watch it, but it doesn't have to be right now. You know, we just got here to Universal. Let's enjoy the day, and maybe we can watch it later tonight. You know, you can come to my house, or I'll come to your room. Long story short, we watched the movie in her hotel room that night. It was the first time I had ever seen myself, you know, I- I acting professionally in anything. And I was seeing it for the very first, very first time with this girl from Chile. And it was her first time as well. Needless to say, sparks flew that night between me and this girl, Ingrid. And, and, you know, we had a wonderful night. I spent the night in her hotel. The next morning she was leaving. I drove her to the airport. In my, you know, in my, in my one Mitsubishi Montero and this, this car that I had won on a TV game show after having spent the night with her watching a movie that I was in. And we fell in love. That three day adventure, we fell in love. And then she went back to Chile and we wrote letters to each other for three months a barrage of letters. We wrote letters to each other for three months. We were madly in love for three months. And then the season changed, literally and figuratively. Then the season changed. It changed from summer to fall and our feelings changed we stopped writing letters she got you know I guess heavily involved in, in, in whatever she was doing in her country you know I, I, I you know sort of got 
you know, more deeply involved in whatever I was doing, you know, back in Orlando at the time. But those three months, I I just, did you you hear the story I just told? This happened in the mid nineties. People see people people don't really recognize, but the mid '90s was 30 years ago. It's crazy. It's crazy, but it's true. The mid '90s was 30 years ago. This this was this was 30 years ago. This 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 episode that I'm recounting to you that I experienced 30 years ago, but I've never forgotten it, and it was my best short relationship that I've ever had three months so that's the case that I make for a three-month relationship you don't you don't get bored of it because it's not long enough to get bored and at the same time you don't quite get so involved that it's that you're too involved You don't get bored, but you don't get so involved that you're too involved and you can't get out of it. That's, that's the worst. So that's the, that's my case for the three month relationship. Here's my case for the one year relationship. And again, keep in mind, I'm still talking about unmarried relationships. Okay. I'm I'm talking about, I'm talking about boyfriend and girlfriend. A year, of course this is my opinion, a year is the perfect amount of time to be with someone long enough to know that you don't want to be with them forever. That's what a year is. A year is long enough for you to be with someone, get to know them well enough, really experience some things, really experience some things, some, 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 some ups, some downs, some highs, some lows, some, some challenges, you know really get to know a person through, again, through different seasons, and then decide, you know, I don't think I want to spend the rest of my life or you know, much longer with you. What's the point of being with someone for two, three, four years and then breaking up? That's kind of the point I'm making. Boyfriend, girlfriend relationships, in my opinion, the best amount of time to spend together is three months or one year. Boyfriend-girlfriend relationships, the best amount of time to spend together is three months or one year. Let's move on to married couples. What's the best amount of time to spend 
if you're married. My opinion, three years to 10 years. That's how long I think married couple should stay together. Three years to 10 years. You're with someone, you marry them, I think unless it's an absolutely horrible relationship, unless it's an absolutely horrible relationship, you should give it three years. You should give it three years. Unless it's an absolutely horrible, unsustainable, violent, just terrible, terrible relationship, you should give that marriage three years. If you don't give the marriage three years, you haven't really, you haven't really gotten married. What you've done is you took your boyfriend-girlfriend sort of relationship status and you added some paperwork to it, but you didn't marry the person with your soul, your heart, your mind. You didn't marry them. That's, That's the marry thing. You know, people, I think people, in many cases, people sort of, um, you know, oh, I'm married. You know, they, they just think of wedding rings, wedding receptions, paperwork, churches. But the true meaning of being married is to like sort of intertwine your soul and yourself, you know, with someone. That's where the phrase, you know, I'm married to it comes from. You know, I'm married to working out three times a week. Um, you know, I'm married to my job. I'm, 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 I'm married to... You know, whatever creative thing you like—that's—that's—that's—that's that's, that's, that's the meaning of it. You're—you're—you're you're, you're married to it. It—it's it, part of you. To really, really investigate that bond, you need three years. To really investigate that bond, to really, really give yourself and your partner and the marriage—that's three different entities. Okay. It's another thing people don't consider. There's you, there's your partner, and there's the marriage. The marriage is its own thing. Okay? You've got to pour something into the marriage in order to see if it's going to work. There's you, there's your partner. And there's also the marriage. That's three separate entities. In order to see if that marriage was worth your time, you need three years. Flip side to that coin, I think there should be an expiration date with exceptions, with rare exceptions, with rare exceptions. Sure, you know people who've been married for 15 years, 20 years, 30 years, your parents, 
Maybe your parents have been married 30, 40 years, 50. If there are people out there, if you know people, if your parents have been married for 30, 40, 50 years, they got married at a different time, obviously, chronologically. Obviously, they got different. They got married in a different time of human existence. They got married when, you know, morals, values, family laws, shame, you know, societal etiquette, obligations, financial obligations. They got married at a time when all when all these things were very much different than they are today. People have been married for 30, 40, 50 years. <clears throat> But I think 10 years is a pretty good expiration date for most marriages. 10 years. 10 years is long. 10 years is between the ages of 23 to 33. From 23 years old to 33 years old, you are a completely different person. From 33 years old to 43 years old, you're an entirely different different person from 43 to 53 you're you're not the same person you get married to somebody at 30 years old you're one person and this other your marriage partner is one person 10 years later the two of you are entirely different people than you were when you got married Small example, small analogy. You're 30 years old when you get married. You love lasagna. You're 30 years old when you get married. You love lasagna. 10 years later, you've become lactose intolerant and you're on a keto diet. That's a bad example because keto diet involves cheese. Ten years later, you're lactose intolerant. That's enough. But your partner isn't. And when you got married, when you got together, one of the things that the two of you loved together was lasagna. But now you can't eat lasagna. Gives you an upset stomach, makes you sick, makes you fart. But your partner still loves lasagna. You're completely different people. You should be allowed. There should be a a clause in all marriages, the 10-year clause, that allows you to not have to go through divorce, allows you to just bounce. Your marriage expires at 10 years, it expires. If you want to continue the marriage, you just sign another piece of paper and and it continues. But there should be a 10-year expiration clause in all marriage contracts. 10 years is enough. After 10 years, you've given yourself and your partner everything you can you've tried your best you've 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 done everything you can do 
You've shown them every side of you that exists. They've shown you every every side of them that exists. You're you're not too old. If you got married at 23, you're only 33. If you got married at 33, you're only 43. If you got married at 43, you're only 53. Either way, what I'm saying is you've still got time to find a partner. Find another partner. Try another 10-year experiment. It isn't over for you, but a lot of people they stay in marriages and they don't they shouldn't have to this 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 you know this the, the the vows the vows do you solemnly swear to stay with this partner through 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 sickness and in health till death do you part why why do you, i mean come on man come on Come on. Till death do you part on the day of your marriage you're you're putting so much pressure on both you and your partner. Wouldn't it be better do you solemnly swear to love, honor and cherish this person for the next 10 years to the best of your ability? And then if y'all decide that you want to continue you can. That's that, that that starts the marriage with so much less pressure on both partners. That starts the marriage with so much less pressure on both partners. 10 years. It's enough. it's enough just the idea that you possibly have to spend the rest of your live long days with this with this other person that you've grown to hate just that can create so much anxiety claustrophobia paranoia inside a marriage to destroy the marriage from the inside out. However, if you know that there's a time limit, think of it like this when you go to work and you know you're getting off at 5, you're able to put in a decent day's work. Imagine if you went to work and you didn't know what time you'd get off. You'd made a vow to your boss, to this company to work for them forever how horrible would that be marriages should be 10 years with an extension warranty if either or both partners want that this is Trevor David nothing specific peace and blessings guys